This is the Bouquet Toss Podcast, brought to you by the Budget Savvy Bride. We're here to help you figure out what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. Join founder Jessica Bishop and editor Sari Wienerman as we unpack wedding trends and traditions to help you plan a wedding that feels authentic to you. So before you get cold feet, let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Bouquet Toss. Today, we are disrupting the stigma of couples therapy and counseling. Marriage requires skills. It's a partnership that's ever-changing and growing, and it requires certain strengths in both partners to be the most successful. Having a third party provide outside feedback and resources is a really powerful way to strengthen your relationship at any stage, but especially in a marriage. Pop culture and movies often put a negative spin on couples therapy because it's seen as a sign of defeat or that the end is somehow near, when in fact, it can be used from the start of the relationship to ensure communication and boundaries are where they need to be. We are really interested in providing savvy resources for all aspects of marriage, not just the wedding day, which is why we're sitting down today with Crystal Mazzola. Crystal is a licensed marriage and family therapist who has been practicing for over a decade. She's also the best-selling author of some amazing books, including The Codependency Recovery Plan, A Five-Step Guide to Understand, Accept, and Break Free from the Codependent Cycle, as well as The Codependency Workbook, a Simple Practices for Developing and Maintaining Your Independence. In addition to her work with couples, Crystal is passionate about providing women with the tools to heal from self-esteem and relationship issues through her therapy, books, and online courses. And also have to throw in a mention that she is a recent newlywed bride as well. So we're so excited to have you here to chat about this super important topic. And thanks so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me here. I am so grateful that this is a topic you're bringing to your listeners. It's something that needs to be discussed so much. So thank you. Yeah. So if there were one or two things that you could say, I'm sure we're going to come up with many more during this episode, but what are like one or two really important things you feel couples don't know about couples therapy that they really should know? Thank you. That's a great question. So there's a lot of stigma, you know, which we'll probably talk more about, but I think the most important thing that people need to know about therapy in general, and whether that's individual or couples therapy, is it doesn't mean you're broken. There's this idea out there that something is damaged inside of you or your relationship if you're getting to the point where you need therapy or you're desiring therapy. But the reality is, is that as human beings, we only know what was taught to us. So if we grew up in a family that had really supportive, healthy relationships and communication skills, and they had healthy boundaries, and they were just really nurturing, we picked up some really awesome skills, and we can bring that into our relationships moving forward and into our lives. But that being said, some of us didn't have those experiences growing up. So for couples therapy, before we really learn how to have a healthy relationship, we're going to look at our parents. We're going to look at our caregivers and see what they will model to us. You know, I it's divorce is pretty common. So I imagine that there are listeners out there whose parents have been divorced. Maybe they've been remarried. Maybe they've even divorced again. And we're bringing all of that into our marriage. And that's completely unconsciously. 
And what really happens before people get the training, which is all that therapy is, is they might create a reaction. So I hear it all the time. I'm not going to be like my parents. Okay, so they divorced and you don't want to recreate that. But until people really learn the healthy relationship skills, they're going to perhaps go to the opposite extreme. And as human beings, the opposite extreme, black and white behaviors are never healthy. We want to be in this middle ground. For example, if someone had a mother that was really emotionally needy, they might say, I'm never going to be like her. I'm going to be really independent. But on the flip side, if you're too independent, you're not going to let your partner in. You're going to not accept their support. And you're really not going to be in a partnership because a healthy partnership is about not just giving support, but receiving support. And if you're trying to live as a reaction to your mother, if she was overly needy, for example, that's going to be problematic. I love so much the way that you're talking about all of this as training, because it's, I mean, truly, this makes so much sense. You don't ever get training for your relationships other than your other relationships. And especially with something like marriage, if it's your first time and you don't have the foresight from the marriage before, you have no training in what that is, right? So exactly, you're taking from the examples that you see or the people around you. And what therapy is doing is actually giving you the training, the skills, all the things that you need to be the best at that relationship. And it's like, why, would, why wouldn't anyone want that? I agree completely. Yeah, we don't. We don't have that training in our day-to-day lives. It's like we learn on the job, living our lives. You know what I mean? And, which I'm sure you'd agree, we learn from movies. We learn from pop culture. We learn from hearsay. We learn from, uh, nowadays, like, social media. What, what we're perceiving of people's relationships from social media. Performative so, sort right. of messaging that we see on social media, I think, too. Right. I also think that there's so much that there's just so many different narratives that we're fed about marriage, probably because when everyone goes through it, they are having to go through that training for the first time. Right. And, and, and there's no like school of marriage training, right? Like this is going to be different culturally. This is going to be different. Like societally, this is different for every single person and every single relationship, like every pairing. So I think that there's so many attempts to like write curriculum for relationship or marriage training, even simple things like finding the one or like your forever person, this language that makes it feel very final, almost like when you find that person, you've done the journey. And so like, you're good to go forever. When actually it's when you find that person, like you're going on the journey forever. So you both will always be shifting and changing and moving. And this is training to help you adapt to your shifting and changing. Right. To navigate better together as a team. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just really comment on what you're talking about, how we're learning not just from our families, but movies and social media. And I think it's really important if people don't know this, for them to know that it's actually proven that the couples who post the most on social media are the most unhappy. And so you're seeing an incredibly performative example of what a real relationship is as happy as they seem, it's unreal. So one thing I think I would love for you to talk a little bit about is 
the the things that tend to come up most commonly within relationships. So what are maybe like three to five things you would maybe advise couples to be sure they're really clear about and discuss before they go down the aisle and get married? I think that that's a wonderful question, Jessica, because unfortunately what I've seen as a couples therapist is the cleanup and the aftermath of couples who didn't discuss these really major topics that there's really no middle ground on. For example, there's not a middle ground on if you have kids or not. You can't have half a kid. And so if you're not- <laughs> And discussing... you can't return them if you do decide to have them. And, and I want to know, exactly. And I want to know that there are absolutely people who regret having children. And it is a conversation that we are not having societally or socially. And I understand the pain of acknowledging that you know, and the stigma of having that conversation. But I just want to note that there are absolutely people who regret having kids. And so it is something that needs to be completely authentic if you are willing to have children or not. And you need to be really clear on your own individual needs and wants as a person before you can have a healthy, satisfying long-term marriage. Because there are absolutely people who can slog away at a marriage for years. I'm sure we've all seen an example of someone who stayed together, but they were unhappy. And that's not the goal. Like as a couples therapist, I'm incredibly passionate about the fact that you can have a happy, successful, satisfying long-term marriage. Is it work? Absolutely. Is marriage a fragile thing that you cannot check out of and take people for granted? Absolutely. But can you have a happy marriage that lasts? Absolutely. So having kids absolutely needs to be discussed. I've actually seen people decide to end their marriage over this topic. The other big things that I've seen that have really torn couples apart on the other side, because they didn't discuss it in advance, were lifestyle choices. Where do they wanna live? What kind of life do they wanna lead? For example, one person, if you really wanna be in that city life, you really wanna be engaged, but one person wants to live like on a farm or a ranch, that's going to not work long-term because we have to be true to our authentic self to have a happy, long-term satisfying marriage. Is there negotiation? Yes, but there are some things we cannot negotiate on. These are our non-negotiables. And I think things like having children, what we imagine for our life, you know, and our vision for what's success to us, what will make us feel proud of our lives when we're at the end of our lives, these things can't really be negotiated on. A couple other things that I really recommend couples discuss in advance are things around religion or spirituality, especially if you wanna have children, how do you wanna raise them? And if you don't have children, if you have different religious or spiritual views, what I can say is I think you can have boundaries around that, but I don't think that you can really negotiate after the fact sometimes how you wanna raise your kids. So if you wanna have kids, also discuss your values around how you wanna raise your children, how you wanna discipline them, what things are most important to you that you teach them. Are you going to be a perfect parent who lives according to your values every single moment? Absolutely not, that's impossible as human beings, but you have to be clear on your values and be on the same page. And then speaking about values, the other one that is important is about what money represents to you. So we know that couples have conflict over money, but what we don't necessarily always discuss is that they're having that conflict because of what money represents to them. So if one person values money as a source of freedom, they're going to perhaps spend differently than someone who sees money as security and safety. 
And these things can be negotiated around. Some things are non-negotiable, like children, for example, but some things can be like, okay, so you see it as freedom and I see it as security. How can we meet in the middle? How can we have our budget reflect that, those two values going on at the same time? Because a lot of times that conflict is happening because we're not conscious of what the money represents. So it's like, why did you just spend all of our savings on a trip? Oh, because I value freedom. But the other person valued security. So that feels like a betrayal. So those are the big ones. Money is something obviously at the budget savvy bride that we talk about a lot. And as I'm sure everyone already knows, like it tends to be a huge reason that couples cite in their divorce decrees, like financial issues, struggles. It's it's a big issue that comes up. And I do love what you said there about like how it truly is a reflection of your values and how you tend to spend like your money style, your money spending or savings style can really be a reflection of like what matters most to you. And so I love that you like suggest putting boundaries around that or, or negotiating like what that looks like so that both sides feel safe or free (laughs) in a sense. Leaning into this both sides thing, there's a really interesting distinction that you made about each person, each, you know, partner coming to the relationship, having figured out what they want. Probably part of this couple's therapy stigma is like going together to like figure it out together. But yes, you're doing that, but you can only do that if both parties know what they want. And I wonder how much, if you can speak to this, you know, how much of couples therapy is individualized like that so that you can do that work on yourself so that you can meet your partner halfway? That's a good question. And it really is going to differ based on the therapist that you speak to, because each therapist has their own training, their own values. You know, we're people who go into this, you know, so we have our own things that we believe are important. You know, for example, if you're seeing a a therapist who really values a certain maybe religion, they might prioritize staying together at all costs. So perhaps they're not going to have those authentic, soul-searching, exploratory conversations. So it does depend on the therapist that you speak to. I think that's a good point to make. Like finding a therapist, you have to shop around. It's like dating. Every therapist is completely different and their own personal values will reflect in their practice. And so taking that journey to figure out who is the best for both of you, I think is really important. And then I also think let's just like put a vote of confidence out there for just regular therapy before couples therapy even, or maybe during and in conjunction with, you know, like while we destigmatize the couples aspect, let's also just destigmatize therapy in general, like every human being should take advantage of therapy because it's literally like this other person is paid to listen to you and help you then figure out your own thought patterns, your own feelings, and like reflect it back to you. They're not there to like make up your mind for you. They're not there to like tell you you're weird or crazy. They're not there to do anything except listen and almost be a mirror for you. And so while we're Working on the couples therapy is not a bad thing. It's also, say, you know, personal individual therapy is also fantastic. 
Thank you for that. I completely agree. I think all human beings, especially at some stage of their lives, can benefit from therapy because as we discussed already, it's just training. We don't know what we don't know. For example, individual therapy and couples therapy is going to cover things around how we manage our emotions. And if we didn't see healthy role models for, oh, when I'm angry, I go and I journal an angry letter and I don't give it to anyone. But instead I saw people yell or I saw people stuff their anger, you know, maybe with alcohol or work and then it came out passive aggressively. We don't know how to manage our emotions either without healthy role models. And so not only is a therapist there to be a mirror, which is absolutely true, that's actually my philosophy as a therapist is I'm there to just help people see themselves because you know there's a cliche that knowledge is power. And I think self-knowledge is empowerment. The more we know ourselves, the more we are empowered to have the life, the authentic life of our dreams. You know, what we actually want versus what we're told from the media, social media, our families that we should want. So it's incredibly important to do therapy, at, at least at some stage in our lives, to really clean that up. And not only is it someone who's there to be not judgmental, it's safe and confidential, but these are also people who, unlike perhaps your friends or family, Therapists are trained in models that are proven by research to be effective. So when I am teaching you as a therapist or a course creator how to manage your emotions, I'm using models like dialectical behavior therapy, which is proven by research to be effective. So my strategies to help you manage your anxiety or your anger, you know, especially your anxiety about speaking up, for example, these are all going to be proven by research to be effective. So it's not just theory. In practice, we know it works. Yeah, I always like to say that, you know, your family, your friends, your spouses, when you go to them with your anxieties or your issues or things that are bothering you, they just want to fix it. And so a lot of their reactions and what they say and how they try to offer advice is coming from that, like trying to fix it, trying to make it better angle, which is great, but also is not sometimes what you even need at the moment. And so that's why a therapist is inherently different from being able to have these conversations with friends and family. We know that wedding planning can be stressful. For that matter, life can be stressful. So how can you make time for yourself and make space for calm? One option I personally love is gummies from House of Wise. They are CBD infused to help women take control of their sleep, sex, stress, and health. Listeners of The Bouquet Toss can take 20% off their entire order by using code SAVVYBRIDE at checkout. Their newest product called Strength just launched to help you flex on your fitness routine and experience the most focused and energized workout you've ever had. Head to thebudgetsavvybride.com slash houseofwise to learn more and start relaxing today. And further pulling on that thread of friends and family, you know, a big part of wedding stress or marriage stress comes from your friends and family's opinions or their expectations and kind of having like external pressure on your relationship. So how would you advise couples to kind of navigate the issues between the couples and their families, their friends, you know, their other relationships that affect their relationship together? That's a great question. And it's interesting because I actually created my most recent course called Confidently Authentic, Stop People Pleasing and Start Being True to Yourself to really speak to this issue around other people's expectations, their desires, and how to set boundaries around that so you can figure out what's most important to you and communicate that clearly to others. So fundamentally, it's a boundaries issue. 
Of course, there's, you know, a lot of conversation out there around what boundaries, you know, that you need to have healthy boundaries, but not a lot of conversations around what that actually looks like. So fundamentally, it's crucial that both you and your partner identify what's most important to you. You know, a lot of times when we're growing up, we want to just fit in. Actually, the desire to belong is part of the human makeup. It's part of our desire to survive. It's what we believe makes us safe. Of course, at the same time, it creates a lot of anxiety and stress and conflict. And so we really must tune in, just like I was talking about the kids issue and being really clear on your own needs. It's really important to be clear on as a couple, what's most important to you. So first you have, as an individual, you have to do that questioning. Then you hear your partner out, you actively listen, you validate, and then you negotiate in the middle. And then you need to set boundaries around other people like friends and family and say like, no, this is what we've decided is most important to us. And I would appreciate if you could respect that. I love that. Preemptively. Yeah. Boundary setting, you know, people sometimes think they're being mean or rude, but in reality, you're clearly expressing what's most important to you and gently saying, please, let's not discuss this. It's not really up for debate. I mean, this goes back to the skills conversation we were having. It's all of these are skills, you know, communication skills at the forefront, really. But the skill to be able to set your own boundaries is also real. And spoiler alert, something you can work on and train. It's not fixed it's malleable. So like if it's not something you feel great at now, looking for resources like couples therapy or something similar is what helps you hone those skills. And so I want to just address something that could be a really big factor for a lot of couples, which is just the accessibility of couples therapy. You know, because with just the state of healthcare in our country and finding a personal therapist can be really challenging. And I'm curious how it works with couples. You know, is it through one partner's insurance? If you're not already married and you're not on the same insurance, does that play into it? If you are already married, I'm assuming it's a little bit easier because your healthcare has probably already been tied in, but how do you navigate all of that? Yes, those are great questions. So for couples therapy, you do pick one person can use their insurance. Perhaps if one partner doesn't have insurance and the other one does, then the one who has insurance, you can just submit those sessions under and claims under their insurance. That being said, insurance does not always cover relationship-based issues. Therefore, if you're not presenting issues related to anxiety or depression, which are more commonly reimbursed by insurance for, you might not be able to have couples therapy covered by insurance. That's one of the barriers, but it can be covered at times. If you need support in finding someone who's in your plan, of course, you can go to your insurance provider. You can also go to the directory. Psychology Today has a directory and you can find a therapist in your area. You can look for specific qualities that they have, maybe issues that you want addressed like boundaries, and you can see if they accept your insurance. That being said, with the pandemic, a lot of therapists who do accept insurance 
are really overbooked and they don't have a lot of availability. And therefore it's important to make sure that you're calling around. Please don't get discouraged if you are ready to get couples therapy, because I do hear that sometimes people aren't getting callbacks by people or they're booked. So stick with it. It is worth the effort. It is worth the dedication to find that therapist that meets your needs. And then also some therapists don't accept insurance, but you can receive what is called a super bill. And sometimes your insurance will reimburse you a portion or all of your session fee if they decide that it's a covered issue. That's really good advice. It's important to like look at this as an investment too, like into your relationship. And so if your insurance doesn't particularly cover it, do you have any sort of advice for other affordable options that couples might have who are seeking this kind of help? Yes, absolutely. I have really been thoughtful about this because I want every person who is ready and willing to change their lives and heal and develop those skills to have access to that. There's definitely other resources, for example, like books. You can find books written by professionals that can guide you through it. And I say professionals because, again, they're going to have methodologies that are proven by research that works. I think that it can kind of eliminate some of that feeling of being in this downward spiral when you know what actually works because it's worked for countless other people over time. Then there's also courses that are available. That was actually my intention as a therapist. That's why I started creating courses because I know, for example, it is a major investment to work with me individually. I don't accept many people at this time. And when I do, my rate is high and that's prohibitive for people. But I want people to be able to have the skills that work, especially the skills that I've seen over a decade of practice that I know get you from point A to point Z. And it's a lifelong journey, but I'm talking about that training and those skills. So that was my intention with creating courses. So there are courses that are developed by professionals as well that can really teach you some of those skills before you invest in therapies. So perhaps if you have limited funds or time, first look at books and courses that are much more affordable and then figure out where are the areas that you're really stuck. Perhaps you notice that there's a memory you keep coming back to, like a tra like you know trauma has a stigma too. All trauma means is it's a wound. For example, if in your relationship, you keep thinking that your partner's cheating on you because you were cheated on in the past and you have a really hard time trusting them and you feel really insecure, even though in reality, they're not doing anything that is suspicious. It's just that past wound. Then you can say, you know what? I've done all these other things. I've done, I've read, I've done workbooks, I've done courses, but I keep getting stuck here. Maybe it's time to invest in therapy. That is all so, so helpful. You know, we really appreciate you outlining these options that can be available. And something that keeps coming up for me listening to this is it's also a line item that you should probably add to your wedding budget. That's, you know, part of how you decide where your values are going for this wedding and what's most important to really put money and resources and effort into. And I really like this idea of adding it to your budget or your life budget, because I think sometimes there's this idea that therapy or mental health support, that can wait. Relationship skills work, that can wait. It's not the important stuff. But I really appreciate your message with your work and your podcast, which is the wedding is one day and we're really building a whole marriage. And again, we don't know what we don't know. And therefore it's really important to learn those skills as soon as possible. Also, 
I don't want to be a pessimist over here, but there is a high rate of divorce in the United States. And I will tell you very directly that divorce is more expensive than couples therapy and investing in your relationship skills. Preach. <laughs> a thousand percent. It is an investment and a worthy one, especially if you do want your marriage to work for the long haul. Yeah. I mean, not that we even need to do this, but adding some numbers to this might be helpful for some people. So, you know, we found some facts about just how counseling affects couples. And I'm sure there's a ton of research out there, but according to Foundations Counseling, recent research revealed that 75% of couples who did couples therapy believed they were better off after counseling. 65% reported significant improvement in their relationship. And two years later, 50% of those couples who sought therapy were still going strong. And so, you know, the numbers really are there to back it up. It's something that, like you have said so many times, it's proven to work. You know, these methodologies, these things are proven to work for people. And so that's why they are so valuable. And on the line of value, Crystal has a really generous offer for our listeners her new course is out and she really believes that a key need for couples to manage issues is healthy boundaries. And her most recent course, Confidently Authentic, Stop People Pleasing and Start Being True to Yourself is available now and listeners of the Bouquet Toss can take 20% off of their purchase of the course by using code SAVVY20. So awesome. I love it. It, I don't know if it was Carrie Bradshaw in like a Sex in the City episode about like the most important relationship you have is the one you have with yourself. Was that a Sex in the City quote or is that just like a cliche general quote? I think I remember her at the, her, was it, <laughs> I'm imagining it as a typewriter now. Yeah. I'm imagining her as writing it out, you know, as one of her notes at the end. Yeah, for sure. I think investing in yourself like we already talked about like the individual therapy definitely recommend to me like sari when you were reading those statistics my thought was how soon did those couples start having therapy because the longer you wait and the more you let issues fester the less effective getting help would be so it seems like something that is worthy to put the time and effort in as soon as possible, you know, to Crystal's point, it's never too early to start working on, on your relationship. And the sooner you do, the quicker you can implement those healthy relationship habits. I wanted to speak to that, like, though, one of the major barriers, though, that I see to couples therapy is that one partner, for example, let's say I'm working with a female client in therapy, she might really see these problems in the relationship, these concerns, but the partner adamantly refuses to do couples therapy. That is a major barrier. And I wanted to speak to that because I imagine at least one of your listeners is like, yeah, I want couples therapy, but he or she won't do it with me. Okay, totally get it. You can, of course, do individual therapy, or you can do things like learning about your boundaries or figuring out what's most important to you, like with my course, because you can at least what you have control over is showing up for yourself and changing how you show up in the relationship. How are you, your communication skills? How clear are you on your needs, wants, and values in that relationship? And sometimes when we heal ourselves, even when our partner refuses to do therapy, we can positively influence the relationship. For example, if I'm terrified to let you know what I need or want, or I am passive aggressive about it, and I learn how to figure out what I really need to communicate that clearly, then I can help my partner hear me better. And perhaps sometimes my partner's 
maybe fighting with me and I'm thinking, oh, I'm totally faultless here. What, what's he or she's problem? Like, I don't get this. And then after we do some of our own work, we go, oh, that's because I wasn't communicating effectively. That's because I was coming in with major anxiety and I was almost having a panic attack and they felt overwhelmed by seeing me like this. And so when we clean up our relationship skills, our communication skills, sometimes that can positively influence the relationship. Thank you for adding that. I think that's such an important thing to note and also a great way to wrap up the episode because as much as your marriage is about you and your spouse in this life that you're making together, you can't lose yourself in it. You know, you have to be doing your own work and putting all of that effort into yourself in order to be there for them. So keeping yourself centered in that work is so important. And that was just such a great reminder. So please, can you give our listeners an idea of where they can get more info about you and your course and find you, you know, on the internet? Yes. Yeah, so one of the best ways to reach out to me or connect with me is confidentlyauthentic.com. Thank you for letting your listeners know about the value of the discount code they can use at checkout, Savvy20. This course is really designed to also help reduce the stress of wedding planning because I know a lot of the stress is caused by other people's opinions about what you should wear, where you should, then you should be, and all of that. And when you can get clear on what your boundaries are and communicate that with others effectively, you actually can reduce the stress of wedding planning and have fun with it, which is should be the goal. Like this is an exciting time. You found your partner. Thank you so much for being here. I know we've covered a lot of uh, kind of serious topics on the podcast this season, but we think these conversations are so important and we're so glad to have had you to share your knowledge with everyone. So thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you so much. I am so deeply appreciative that you are talking about breaking the stigma of therapy with your listeners. You've been listening to The Bouquet Toss the podcast dedicated to uncovering where wedding trends and traditions come from so that you can plan your wedding your way. We're continuing the discussion in our private community. Join our supportive group of brides-to-be by heading to thebudgetsavvybride.com slash community. Now it's your turn to catch the bouquet as we toss it over to you to rate and review on your favorite podcast app. As always, stay true to you, And we look forward to chatting again soon.